a great thrill to be back here at uh, Forever House and uh, I want to thank uh, Pastor Brad for inviting me to come back and uh, it's really cool. Um, it's probably been the longest time, space of time that I haven't been at Forever House. Uh, it's been about nine months and so uh, so good to see you all and um, now I'm uh, we're living on the Gold Coast, praise God, and uh, you know, suffering for Jesus and uh, someone's got to do it and... Um, I do realise that now that I'll probably, when I get to heaven, will be sitting further away from the throne uh, because it's kind of like heaven on earth now. So, uh, but you know, praise God, it's awesome. One of the funny things I've noticed actually is that down on the Gold Coast, how fit people are. Uh, we live down near Burley, man, and it's like crazy. Like, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning down the beach, everyone's working out and, you know, down at the beach and, you know, it's pretty, pretty crazy. It wasn't like that in Ipswich, I tell you, that's where I used to live. <coughs> You know, the only time I ever saw someone running at Ipswich is because they were running from the cops, you know. So, um, so it's different, you know. Uh, <clears throat> actually, it reminds me a little bit. Actually, there's another town in Queensland where everyone's pretty fit, and it's actually Townsville. Townsville, people are really fit up there. Uh, I think it's got something to do with the fact that, you know, a big army base up there and uh, a lot of soldiers. And it's actually funny. You can really tell the physique. You can tell if someone's in the army because uh, of their physique, you know, they've got this lean, hard physique. And actually, earlier in this year, I was um, flying up to Townsville, I was preaching up there and sat down in the seat and this guy walked down the aisle and I looked at him and I thought, yeah, he looks like he's in the army, you can just tell. And he sat down next to me and, uh, and I said, mate, are you in the army? He goes, yeah, how can you tell? I said, well, mate, look at you. I said, you know, you look pretty fit, you look like you're in the army. He goes, oh, yeah, I am. He goes, are you? And um, I said, do I look like I'm in the army? And he goes, oh, well, you know, you've got a bit of lazy muscle. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but anyway, praise God. So it's uh, wonderful to be here and always a great joy to see uh, Prophet Greg Bailey as well. And uh, I was actually telling him before, and um, probably 2015, actually, I came um, to, to one of your you know, annual meetings, like the Word of the Lord meeting. And I came to that, and he, we hadn't met before. And uh, he called me out, gave me his prophecy, and because you guys take it so serious, you recorded it, which was awesome. And it got sent to me, and he was prophesying about a year. And I thought it was going to be that year, but it, it actually wasn't. It's this year, 2018. And, um, and I've been listening to it all the time, and everything he was saying is coming to pass in this year. It's incredible. So I just want to honor you uh, for that, for hearing from God. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and the prophecy that's really helped me this year, it's been really awesome. So, and I just trust tonight, as we get around God's Word, uh, God's got something awesome for us as well. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Psalms. Good to see Daniel, newly married uh, to Holly. <clears throat> Praise God. And you look so relaxed, brother. And, um, you know, so uh, just, uh, how long have you been married for? Three months. Praise God, you know, so, so awesome. Uh, Psalm uh, 37, uh, verse uh, 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God delights in his way. I'll read that again. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God delights in his way. The title of my message today is called Walking in the Will of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to be men who know how to make decisions and know how to walk in your will. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I really like Psalm 37, because Psalm 37 is about how to succeed in this life. How do I know this? Because five times in Psalm 37, the writer David says, if you do something, you'll inherit the earth. It's not just talking about heaven. God has got things for us here on the earth. God has a plan and purpose for your life. 
when you become a Christian, it's more than just a ticket to heaven. He's got plans and purposes, and he has a destiny for every single one of us. And so when you're a Christian man, one of the things that you want to do is you want to live in God's will. Um, you know, if you're like me, there's times that I've got decisions that I've got to make. And it's like, well, God, what is your will in this situation? I need to know your will. Because it is possible to walk out of the will of God. And so I like Psalm 37 verse 23 because there it kind of crystallizes in one verse how we can kind of know whether we're walking in the will of God when it comes to making decisions. When you're a man and when you're a leader, decision making is one of the things that we do. And so I want to share with you today three keys to walking in the will of God. And I pray that this will help you in decision making in the future uh, and that sort of thing. The first key to walking in the will of God is this. He says, the steps of a good man. The steps of a good man. The steps of a good man. Not the seat. Not the lying down. The steps of a good man. The first key to walking in the will of God is number one, movement. Movement. What that means is this. Sometimes you've got to start moving before God starts directing. You know, if I know that you're a prophetic people and I'm a prophetic person. And there are times when I want to know God's will and I ask him what his will is, but he doesn't always tell me. What that means is then it's okay for me to start moving. Sometimes you actually have to start moving before God starts directing. Some people are waiting for a word from God which never comes and they don't start moving. You know, if you want to move, a, if you want to direct a boat, you can't direct it or turn the rudder until it's moving. And when it starts moving, then you're able to direct it. In the same way in life, there are times when, when we're trying to make a decision, sometimes we just have to start moving and then God's will starts unfolding. The reality is this, you actually don't need a word for everything. Do I believe in us getting a word? Of course I do. But you don't actually need a word for everything. In fact, one of the things I've found is this, that the more mature you get in God, the less he speaks to you. You know, it's not necessarily a sign of greater maturity that God speaks to you all the time. Oh God, what colour socks should I wear today? The yellow and pink polka dot ones. Okay, thank you. Like, in natural life, the more mature you are, the less direction you need. I've got three sons. I communicate to them differently. The, the older the son, the less direction I actually give them. For instance, when it's time for them to brush their teeth, I'll say to my oldest son, Amos, brush your teeth. Have you brushed your teeth? Yeah, Dad, I'll brush my teeth. Okay, all right, good night. My second son, Joshy, who can be a little bit more disobedient. Josh, brush your teeth. Have you brushed your teeth? Yeah, Dad, I'll brush my teeth. Come over here, breathe on my nose. No, no, go back, do it again. My third son, who's the youngest one, especially when he was little, grab him by the hand. Come on, we're going to brush your teeth. Come on over to the bathroom. Step up on the steps. Get your toothbrush. Get the toothpaste. Put it on. That's a good boy. Open your mouth. Okay, say, ah, uh, start brushing. No, don't chew on it. That's right. Brush, 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 brush. Okay, spit, <coughs> spit it out. Good boy. My wife, I don't even need to tell her to brush her teeth. The greater maturity, the less direction required. For some of you, the word of the Lord is this. There's no more word. Just start moving and then God will start directing. I mean, a classic example of this is in the Old Testament. The Israelites were now in the wilderness. Now, the Israelites were now in the wilderness. They were led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. So whenever God wanted them to move, it would move. 
And if those things didn't move, then they would stay. So it's basically like, you know, you've got the pillar of fire and then it starts moving. And so Moses says, okay, everyone saddle up, we're moving. And then they follow it and then it stops and then they stop. And then a little while later, it moves, then they move. And so at that period of time in their life, whenever God moved, they moved. But that was in the wilderness. Then they stepped over into the promised land and they had a new leader named Joshua. And God said to Joshua while they were in the promised land, he said, but to be determined and courageous, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you. Did you see that? He said, you don't need to wait for me to move anymore. You start moving and I'll back you up. The reality is sometimes in life, we just need to start moving. If you've got decisions to make and you don't know which one to take, do the one that you want. I remember I was talking to this young man in, our, in our, the church I used to be in and, and he was a great drummer and he rings me up one day, he goes, Pastor Ben, I've just been offered this job to audition for the 10 tenors uh, on their European tour as their drummer. Should I do it? I said, I don't know, what do you want to do? He says, I want to do what God wants me to do. I said, well, what has God said? He said, God hasn't said anything. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He says, I, don't, I want to do what God wants me to do. I said, listen, have you actually got the job? And he said, no, no, I've been asked to audition. I said, okay, why don't you do this? Audition, but try your best, but pray, Lord, if you don't want me to get it, don't let me get it. And so he prayed. He said, Lord, I'm going to go for this. If you don't want me to get it, don't let me to get it. He tried out. He rings me back. He says, Pastor Ben, I tried out to be for the audition. I said, how'd you go? He said, I didn't get it. I said, well, now you know. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to start moving before God starts directing. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. As long as you're acknowledging him, he'll make sure you end up going the right direction. He loves you too much to let you go too far in the wrong direction. And so we can trust him and sometimes we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes we just have to start actually moving and when we start moving, God will start directing. A number of years ago, I wanted to buy a second house. So I prayed about it. I said, Lord, can I buy another house? Didn't hear anything. I said, I'm going to go talk to the bank. Talking to the bank. Stop me anytime you want. <laughs> I got the loan. Got a verbal approval. Can I have the house? I'm going to go look for a house. <laughs> Stop me whenever you want. I went and looked for the, looked and found this house. Saw it. I like this house. Can I have it? Signing a contract. <laughs> I'm signing the contract. Stop me anytime you want. And I signed the contract and just before the cooling off period, uh, I got a phone call from the bank, a thing called the subprime crisis hit. And the bank said, you're not getting a loan. Well, now I know. And I remember at the time, I was really ticked until two months later, I had my own financial crisis and I was thanking God every day I didn't have that second house. Sometimes you've got to start moving before God starts directing. What's the decision that you want to make? Some of you right now have got decisions you've got to make for next year. Maybe you've got to go into a course. People say to me, I don't know which course to do. I say, well, just choose one and start moving. And as you start moving, God will start directing the steps of a good man. The second key to walking in the will of God is this. It says the steps of a good man, not the steps of a naughty man. Not the steps of a wicked man. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. 
The second key to walking in God's will is number two, holiness. Holiness. God's way is always the highway. If you have two options, and one is a holy way and a pure way, and the other one's a way of compromise, guess which way God wants you to go? It's the holiness way. But why is it then that we get so tempted to compromise and do the opposite? Well, because very often the compromise way looks like it's the way that God that will get us to where we want to go. But the reality is, as a Christian, the end doesn't justify the means. And we need to understand if you've got two options, God's way is always the highway. I do ethics lecturing um, around Australia and um, I always talk to the students about, can you find anywhere in the Bible where, that where someone lied and God blessed it and God's will was done by someone lying? And so after discussion, the students always come up with the same answer. And the answer is a lady by the name of Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute and she used to uh, live in the wall of Jericho and the Israelites, when they were going to invade Jericho, they sent a couple of spies. They went through Rahab's window. They went into the city. They spied it out. They came back to her apartment. But before they could leave, the authorities found out that they were actually in the city. So they went door to door to the apartments in the wall to find out where they, where they were. They knocked on Rahab's door. She answered and they, said, and they said, do you know where the Israelite spies are? And she said, no, which was a lie because they were actually um, hiding there in her room. And so then they just left, the spies left, the Israelites took Jericho, uh, nothing negative is said about Rahab. In fact, she's considered one of the heroes of the faith. And so the Bible college students I said, had said, see, sometimes you just got to lie. And I said, okay, well, can you find a time where Jesus did? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 5 verse 1, we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, not imitators of Rahab. Just because God forgave her and just because she got away with it doesn't mean it was necessarily God's will or God's way of getting it done. God's way is always the highway. People say to me all the time, why don't we see enough miracles? I'll tell you why. Because I think sometimes when you get stuck between a rock and a hard place, so often we take the compromise way to get our way out when the reality is sometimes we've got to go the holiness way and watch God move for us. Try talking to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They're in uh, Babylon, I think it was. And here's the option. Israelites, the king had just created an idol and said, when the trumpet blows, you have to bow down to that idol. If you don't, you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. If you do bow down, you'll survive. So option one, bow down and obey God because the Bible says you have no other idols, no idols beforehand. You can bow down and burn, sorry, don't bow down and burn or bow down and survive. Those are the two options. I could imagine Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego saying, hey guys, listen, we're no help to anybody dead. God knows our hearts. When the trumpet blows, let's just bow down. We won't really mean it. God will forgive us and we'll just go our way. But they realized they just couldn't do it. So when the trumpet blasted, they didn't bow down. So what's your option? You're going to die. And they get thrown in the fiery furnace. But they didn't die. They received a miracle because they wouldn't compromise. 
God's way is always the highway. And here's the other thing. Just because you go down the wrong way doesn't mean God's going to send a bolt of lightning to turn you the other way around. But that doesn't mean it was God's will. I remember one time, me and some friends when we were at, uh, I grew up in Melbourne and we used to go to, um, went to church one morning and we found out one of our mates, we realised one of our mates wasn't at church. So me and another guy named Jamie, the other mate was Owen, we thought we'll go to Owen's house, take him out for lunch, go to the movies and then afterwards we'll take him to church so that way he won't miss church. And so we did that, we went over to Owen's house, he said, mate, you want to come out with us? He said, sure, we had lunch, we went to a movie. At the end of the movie, uh, we came out and, you know, you, you, you give your ticket at the front, but then you walk down the, you know, there's all these cinemas and, and the one right, we were in the one right down the end. When it finished, we walked out and pa- started passing the other theatres. And as we did, one of the theatres, we noticed a movie we were planning on seeing next was just about to start. And we realised it would finish just in time for us to get to church. So Jamie and I looked at each other and said, praise the Lord. Let's just go in here, let's watch this movie. They, look, they're fine, it's not going to make any difference to the company. We'll go in there and we'll go watch the movie. So we start walking in. As we did, Owen, who didn't go to church that morning, in the middle of the aisle, he yells out, Oh, guys! Guys! And we turn around and said, Shut up, Owen! Don't draw attention to us. He goes, Oh, guys, you can't do that. It's not on a Sunday. <laughs> and the thing is, he was right. Not the thing about the Sunday... The thing was, that was not the right thing to do. Here's the thing. We would have walked down there. We wouldn't have been hit by a bolt of lightning. God wouldn't have stopped us. But that doesn't mean it was God's will. You don't always suffer an immediate negative consequence from taking the unrighteous option. But one thing you do have happen to you is it always affects your character. That every time you make a compromise decision, it erodes your character. And then one day, it really affects you. One day you'll be in a position where your character can't handle some of the things God has for you. You know, I had this uh, really good mate, I still have, he's a really good mate of mine, and he's the kind of guy we always just used, he's a bit loose, and we used to just joke about how he, sometimes he'd blur the lines with honesty and stuff like that. And, and then a few years ago, he got the opportunity to pastor the church of his dreams. He got into that church, he was, and within one month, the board sacked him. And he was kicked out and it was over a couple of little things which he had done dishonestly that caught him out he had that habit in his life for decades and he suffered no negative consequence but the one time he gets in the position that he'd always wanted that was the very thing that pulled the rug out from under him we need to understand god's way is always the highway and even if you don't suffer a negative consequence for some kind of illegal behavior or immoral behavior or for something that's unethical it always affects our character and as a result of that it's actually going to might might short circuit something even greater that god has for our life in the future the steps of a good man are ordered of the lord and the third thing is this steps of a good man are ordered by the lord that word that phrase ordered by the lord i looked it up and it can mean one of two things one of the things it could mean is um, ordered as in God has preordained your steps um, and he's ordered your steps before you. Another uh, possible translation is it's ordered by the Lord. He commands us. Okay? But either way, 
it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, God knows ahead of time what he wants us to do. So when he does tell us to do something, we need to do it. The third key to walking in the will of God is obedience. Obedience. I told you before, you don't need a word for everything, and it's true. But make no mistake, sometimes God does speak to us. And when he does speak to us, he actually wants us to do what he says. When God gives us a command, it's not a suggestion. And he's not asking us how we feel about it. He actually commands us and wants us to step out and he wants us to do it. One of the things I've learned about God with his commands is that he's high in obedience but sometimes low on detail. Have you ever noticed that? You're seeking God about direction and he tells you but doesn't give you any details. And it's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? You know, and sometimes you just got to step out. I love the story about when Peter was walking on the water. Peter is in the boat and Jesus is on the water and he yells out to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. So what's he doing? He's asking Jesus for a word. So Jesus gives him a word. One word. Come. If it was me and I was Peter, I'd be like, how? What's going to happen? A seal's going to come past and I'm going to step on top of him? Is it going to turn into a glacier? I need more information. No more information. He just expected him to step out and do what he was told. One of the other things I've learned is this, when God gives you a command, he doesn't change his mind. Have you ever tried to negotiate with him? You never win. Like, it's just crazy. Like, when you try and negotiate with God, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, you've probably seen the game of baseball. And in baseball, you know, you've got a, a, a pitcher and he throws the ball and you've got a batter up the other end who's trying to hit the ball. And behind the batter is the catcher who's on the side of the pitcher and he's catching the ball. And so what the catcher and the pitcher do is that they communicate to each other about the type of pitch the pitcher should throw to this particular batter. And the way that they do it is with hand signals. And so the catcher would be standing behind the batter, the pitcher would be up there, and the catcher will make a hand signal. And if the pitcher doesn't want to throw it, he shakes his head, he shakes it off. And so then the catcher gives another signal. And if the pitcher doesn't want to throw that, he's like... So the catcher gives another signal. And if the pitcher wants to throw that, he's like... <coughs> and he throws it. Why am I saying that? Oh, yeah, God's not a catcher. He doesn't change his mind. It's not like he gives you a signal and we're like... <laughs> he's like... He doesn't change his mind. When he asks you to do something, he wants you to do it. That's why it's called the law. That's the boss. You know, there used to be a T-shirt out that kids used to wear. It was called Jesus is my homeboy. You ever seen that? This photo of Jesus said Jesus is my homeboy. Here to let you know, he's not your homeboy. He's the Lord. It's not like on the day of judgment, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess, yeah, you're my homeboy. No, no, no. He's the Lord. He's the boss. And yeah, he loves you. And yeah, he's your buddy. But when he tells you to do something, you're supposed to do it. And the thing I've learned about God's commands is it's way better to obey him. Like if we don't obey him, it's because there's a negative consequence if we don't. 
that maybe he's trying to save us from something. You know, many years ago, I was a groomsman in a wedding over in Western Australia. It was about probably 20 years ago now. And we went over there and I was one of the groomsmen and I'm standing up up the front next to the groom and, and the, the bride comes down the aisle and she's crying. Now, that happens a fair bit, you know, like sometimes see a bride, she's crying and she's overcome with emotion. And, and we were thinking, oh, she's so happy. You know, she's just overcome with emotion. She comes forward, she gets, she gets married. Uh, we found out a few, la- few years later why she was crying. She was an 18-year-old girl. She kind of didn't know the guy actually that well. And in the weeks preceding, she realised, I don't want to marry this guy. And she felt God tell her, don't marry him. But she's only young. She didn't share that with anyone. And she thought, oh, you know, we can make it work. We can make it happen. And so she ended up going through with the wedding and embarked on seven years of hell. Now, thank God we serve a God of second chances. He left her. She found another guy, a great guy. She's been married now probably close to 10 years, has a couple of kids, and her life is doing great. But she went through a seven-year detour she didn't need to do if she had just obeyed God. That's what the fear of the Lord is. You hear this phrase, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's like, I need to obey him. He's the boss. I better do what he tells me to do. There's been so many times when I know God has spoken to me and I haven't wanted to do what he said. But then I've ended up doing what he said and I realise it was actually the perfect thing and the very thing that I actually needed to do. I needed to do that to obey him. Sometimes you can find that you're actually walking in the wrong direction for a period of time and then God redirects you. You know, I love the story about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had always wanted to minister in Asia and he starts walking towards Asia. And then the Bible says that he had a vision and had a dream. And in the dream, there was a man from Macedonia came in the dream. And the man from Macedonia says, no, I want you to go over to there, over towards Philippi. Come over, or said, come, come over to us in Macedonia, which is Philippi. He said, come over to us. So then he had a decision to make. Technically, he'd been walking in the wrong direction the whole time. But he didn't know that. That wasn't his fault. But now God spoke to him and said, you need to go in this direction. If he had kept going in that direction, he would have been walking in disobedience. But he decided to follow. He had to give up his dream, the thing he'd been wanting to do for a long time. He had to lay that down. He had to lay down his selfish ambition. And he had to just obey God and step into the unknown. Little would he know that he would go to Macedonia where the Philippians are and you read the letter of Philippians, you'll realise that they were the number one giving church in his ministry. They were the number one source of supply for him. He didn't know that at that time and he would have missed out on it if he had kept on walking in disobedience. God would not have sent a bolt of lightning to stop him. God would not have just tried to pull the rug out from under him. God would have let him keep on moving but he would have seen, still been walking in disobedience. Maybe you're here and I don't normally talk like this, but maybe I I just get a sense there's a couple of you. God has told you to pull back from something. And it's like, no, I'm just going to do it anyway. If God's calling you to pull back, he's pulling you back from the edge of something that is not good. And he needs you to be obedient. 
for one of you, you actually have to lay down your selfish ambitions. It was a dream that you'd always wanted and you thought that the window of opportunity was now. But God wants you to know, no, 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 he'll do something later to accelerate you, but right now you're walking into a trap. And there's somebody else that you're walking in a particular direction and, and God's redirecting you and it's not that you're walking into a trap, he's actually got something better for you over this way if you would just step over and obey him. And I don't know who that is, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone or anything like that, but, but I believe that when God tells us, and the word of God tells us, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. And when he tells us to do something, he actually wants us to do it. As men, we have to make decisions. We have to be decision makers. The steps of a good man, number one is movement. Sometimes we have to start moving before God starts directing us. Not every decision you make is, uh, is, is final. Not every, deci- not every decision that you make is one where you can't afford to explore it. I always tell people, if you've got some options, well, why don't you look into it and see how you feel? Start moving in that direction. See, you can always pull back from it. Some of you got some things, and I don't know if I'm supposed to go down there. Well, why don't you just go down and have a little bit of a look and see what happens? Steps of a good man, the second, the second key is holiness. God's way is always a highway. And even if you're tempted to go in a direction that's compromising and it looks like it's taking you in the direction that you want to go, that doesn't mean it's God's will. And thirdly, steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means obedience. That God wants us to be people who obey him and do what he calls us to do. He doesn't give us a word for everything. But when he does, if he is willing to speak to us about something, then we need to be willing to obey him. Amen? Can I just ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment? And maybe these, one of these points is relevant to you right now. <clears throat> maybe it's movement. Maybe you've got to start moving. You've been seeking God about what to do in a situation and he hasn't said anything. Uh, and you know you, you need to start stepping and start moving. Uh, if that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. But I know that in this particular situation, I have to start moving in this particular direction. I'm, I'm just going to start walking and see what happens. If that's you, slip up your hand nice and high and say, that's me today. Awesome. Awesome. A number of you there. You can put your hands down. Secondly, it's holiness. So maybe you've, you're really, really tempted to do, go in a direction that you know is not the right way, but it's not the moral way, it's not the ethical way, but you're really tempted to do it. If that is you right where you are, no one's looking, just slip up your hand and say, that's me. There's a compromise way that I'm tempted to go down, but I know I'm not supposed to. Awesome, you can put your hands down. And finally, maybe it's obedience. Maybe you're one of those two people that I mentioned that you know God's spoken to you to pull away from a situation you're walking into. Or maybe God has reminded you right now of something he told you to do and you haven't gone and done it yet. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That that's me, that I know that I'm supposed to be obedient in this particular area. Awesome, you can open your eyes wide. If you put your hand up for one or more of those things, just right where you are, stand in your feet. Stand in your feet. There's a number of you, it's okay, you're not going to be by yourself. Lift your hands to heaven. Pray this after me. Dear Lord, I thank you that you have a will for me and let your will be done in my life. Help me to move. Help me to be holy. Help me to be obedient as I walk in your will. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Keep your hands raised. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these men. Lord, you have a will for all of our lives. And, and I just ask and pray, Lord, that with all of these men, whatever this, their individual situation is, I pray, let your will be done in their lives. That they will be people who know how to start moving in your will. I thank you, Lord God, that for some that they were fearful of moving, I just ask and pray you give them the boldness to start walking by faith. For those, Lord God, who are so who are tempted to go, go in a compromised direction, I just pray for the conviction of God to come in their heart. Let there be a steel in their spirit that will help them to walk the straight and narrow. And I pray for those, Lord God, who need to be obedient, Lord God. I just ask and pray that you'd help them to step into it, Lord. You wouldn't give us a command unless it was because it was going to be something better, that it was a better result. And I pray, Father, for those of us that need to step in obedience to you, even though we can't see why and it may not even make sense now, I just ask and pray, God, that you would just help them and bless them. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, would you stand on your feet? Lift your hands to heaven. I just want to pray for you. Forever, forever House is a, is a church that's dear to my heart, and, and I just want to pray a blessing on you. So blessed to see so many men out tonight. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm going to declare the blessing and favor of God on this church and on you guys. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your blessing and your favor. I just ask and pray, Lord, that you would continue to pour it out, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're about to unstop some of the things that were stopping from flowing here. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just had a vision, and the vision was of one of those jugs. And you know, the top of the jug, you unscrew it, and as you unscrew it, it pops up and more water can come out. And I just had a vision of like, in this church, there was a jug tipped up and there was only drips coming out of it. And then I saw God unscrew it, and then I just saw more stuff flowing into here. And I see more favor flowing into here. I see more finance flowing into here. I see more souls flowing into here. I see more blessing flowing into here. I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. I also have a picture, and it was actually when Prophet Greg was talking to me um, out there, and we were talking about a situation that I'm dealing with, and he said it's like a twisted hose. I had a picture here of some people, and you've got a twisted hose, and the twisted hose is your family life. It's either with your wife, or with your kids, or with your parents, or something like that. There's something out of order in your home. And one of the things is Ephesians chapter 5 says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. And then it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it talks about family. So what that means is this. The flow of the Spirit of God is kept in your life when your family life is in order. If your family life is out of whack, who knows it's hard to have any joy. It's hard to have any life. And I just felt God show me that there's a twisted up hose, that there's things that need to be straightened out at home. And you love God, you love the church, and you praise Him and worship Him. But there's something that's drawing down, removing your joy because of something at home. Can I get you to just close your eyes, guys? If that is you, and you're saying, that's me, there's something out of order at home, whether it be with your wife or with your kids or, some, or your parents, if that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I've got something out of order. I need to straighten it out. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these men with their hands raised. And I just ask and pray that you would straighten this out, Lord God. That you would help them, Lord God. 
to straighten this issue out for us that's happening at home, Lord God, so that they might be able, so that your spirit might flow more readily through them, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Daniel, can I pray for you, please? Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for the breath of God, the touch of God upon him. I thank you, Lord. I have a picture of you, and I see you walking down a path. Then I see you taking a turn, and then another turn, and going in the same direction, but just in a different lane. And I felt God say that your life is going to keep moving forward, but you're going to switch lanes. That there's going to be a twist and a turn coming up, but God's going to propel your life to a new level. There's going to be a short moment where it feels like you're not actually moving forward, but God wants you to know He's just changing the lane and you're going to be in His slipstream into a greater dimension. Father, I thank you for that. I praise you for that, Lord. I believe you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thomas, can I pray for you, please? Father, I just thank you. When Ruth was um, going in Boaz's field, Boaz used to drop extra bundles of, of hay and extra bundles for her to gather. He actually instructed his workers, leave more behind for her to pick up. And I felt God say that he's got bundles of blessings that you're going to walk into. Bundles of blessings that he's going to drop in your path because of your faithfulness and your service to him. That Ruth was faithful. She made sacrifice and, and, she, and she followed her, uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her faithfulness was rewarded. And I felt God say that your faithfulness is about to be rewarded. Bundles of blessing, not just one bundle, but bundles of blessing, seemingly unrelated, God is going to drop in front of you that you are going to gather and pick up. And God wants you to know it's as a result of your faithfulness. Bible says he is faithful and little will be faithful in much. And there's like going to be a much that is going to be dropped into your world. I thank you for that, Father. And I praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I also felt there's someone here that your business is coming to a point where you need something to move for you to advance. You saw it coming for, for a while. Uh, that you thought, man, I need some things to change for my business to start flourishing more, and it hasn't quite happened yet. Can I just ask you to close your eyes for a moment? If that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Bless them. Bless them. Father, I just pray for all these businessmen right now, and I just ask and pray, Lord God, I thank you, Lord. You know you want to bless their business, and I just release that blessing right now. You can make a way where there is no way, Lord God, they stepped out in business as a result of faith, Lord God, in obedience to you and believing you. And I pray, Father, let there be miracles in their business, Lord. You care about their business, and I pray for miracles in their business. I thank you, and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. He's awesome.